Section twelve of the Secret of the Night by Gaston Larue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter twelve. Pere Alexis. Cuprian jumped into his carriage and hurried toward St. Petersburg. On the way, he spoke to three agents who only he knew were posted in the neighborhood of Elagwine. They told him the route Rouletabille had taken. The reporter had certainly returned into the city. He hurried toward Troitsky Bridge. There, at the corner of the Naburjnaya, Kuprian saw the reporter in a hired conveyance. Rouletabille was pounding his coachman on the back, Russian fashion, to make him go faster, and was calling with all his strength one of the few words he had had time to learn. Naleva! Naleva! To the left. The driver was forced to understand at last, for there was no other way to turn than to the left. If he had turned to the right, Naprava, he would have driven into the river. The conveyance clattered over the pointed flints of a neighborhood that led to a little street, Aptiekarsky Peroluk, at the corner of the Catherine Canal. This alley of pharmacists, as a matter of fact, contained no pharmacists, but there was a curious sign of a herbarium where Rouletabille made the driver stop. As the carriage rolled under the arch, Rouletabille recognized Kuprian. He did not wait, but cried to him, "'Ah, here you are. All right, follow me.' He still had the flask and the glasses in his hands. Kuprian couldn't help noticing how strange he looked. He passed through a court with him and into a squalid shop. "'What?' said Kuprian. "'Do you know Alexis?' They were in the midst of a curious litter." Clusters of dried herbs hung from the ceiling, and all among them were clumps of old boots, shriveled skins, battered pans, scrap iron, sheepskins, useless taloops, and on the floor musty old clothes, moth-eaten furs, and sheepskin coats that even a moujik of the swamps would not have deigned to wear. Here and there were old teeth, ragged finery, dilapidated hats, and jars of strange herbs ranged upon some rickety shelving. Between the set of scales on the counter and a heap of little blocks of wood used for figuring the counts of this singular business were ungilded icons, oxidized silver crosses, and Byzantine pictures representing scenes from the Old and New Testaments. Jars of alcohol, with what seemed to be the skeletons of frogs swimming in them, filled what space was left. In a corner of this large, murky room, under the vault of mossed stone, a small altar stood, and the light burned in a hanging glass of oil before the holy images. A man was praying before the altar. He wore the costume of old Russia, the caftan of green cloth, buttoned at the shoulder and tucked in at the waist by a narrow belt. He had a bushy beard, and his hair fell to his shoulders. When he had finished his prayer, he rose, perceived Rouletabille, and came over to take his hand. He spoke French to the reporter. "'Well, here you are again, lad.' Do you bring poison again to-day? This will end by being found out, and the police?" Just then he discerned Kuprian's form in the shadow, drew close to make out who it was, and fell to his knees as he saw who it was. Rouletabille tried to raise him, but he insisted on prostrating himself. He was sure the prefect of police had come to his house to hang him. Finally he was reassured by Rouletabille's positive assertions and the great chief's robust laugh. The prefect wished to know how the young man came to be acquainted with the alchemist of the police. Rouletabille told him in a few words. 
Maitre Alexis, in his youth, went to France afoot to study pharmacy because of his enthusiasm for chemistry. But he always remained countrified, very much a Russian peasant, a semi-oriental bear, and did not achieve his degree. He took some certificates, but the examinations were too much for him. For fifty years he lived miserably as a pharmacist's assistant in the back of a disreputable shop in the Notre Dame quarter. The proprietor of the place was implicated in the famous affair of the gold ingots, which started Rouletabille's reputation, and was arrested along with his assistant, Alexis. It was Rouletabille who proved clear as day that poor Alexis was innocent, and that he had never been cognizant of his master's evil ways, being absorbed in the depths of his laboratory and trying to work out a naive alchemy which fascinated him, though the world of chemistry had passed it by centuries ago. At the trial Alexis was acquitted, but found himself in the street. He shed what tears remained in his body upon the neck of the reporter, assuring him of paradise if he got him back to his own country, because he desired only the one thing more of life, that he might see his birthland before he died. Rouletabille advanced the necessary means and sent him to St. Petersburg. There he was picked up at the end of two days by the police in a petty gambling game, and thrown into prison, where he promptly had a chance to show his talents. He cured some of his companions in misery, and even some of the guards. A guard who had an injured leg, whose healing he had despaired of, was cured by Alexis. Then there was found to be no actual charge against him. They set him free, and, moreover, they interested themselves in him. They found meagre employment for him in the Stukin dvor, an immense popular bazaar. He accumulated a few roubles, and installed himself on his own account at the back of a court in the Aptierkarsky Peruluk, where he gradually piled up a heap of old odds and ends that no one wanted even in the Stukin dvor. But he was happy, because behind his shop he had installed a little laboratory where he continued, for his pleasure, his experiments in alchemy and his study of plants. He still proposed to write a book that he had already spoken of in France to Rouletabille, to prove the truth of empiric treatment of medicinal herbs, the science of alchemy, and the ancient experiments in sorcery. Between times he continued to cure any one who applied to him, and the police in particular. The police guards protected him and used him. He had splendid plasters for them after the scandal, as they called the October riots. So when the doctors of the quarter tried to prosecute him for illegal practice, a deputation of police guards went to Kupriyan, who took the responsibility and discontinued proceedings against him. They regarded him as under protection of the saints, and Alexis soon came to be regarded himself as something of a holy man. He never failed every Christmas and Easter to send his finest images to Rouletabille, wishing him all prosperity, and saying that if ever he came to St. Petersburg, he should be happy to receive him at Aptiokarsky Peruluk, where he was established in honest labor. Pere Alexis, like all the true saints, was a modest man. When Alexis had recovered a little from his emotion, Rouletabille said to him, Pere Alexis, I do bring you poison again, but you have nothing to fear, for His Excellency, the Chief of Police, is with me. Here is what we want you to do. You must tell us what poison these four glasses have held, and what poison is still in this flask and this little phial. What is that little phial? demanded Kuprian, as he saw Rouletabille pull a small stoppered bottle out of his pocket. The reporter replied, I have put into this bottle the vodka that was poured into Natasha's glass and wine, and that we barely touched. 
someone has tried to poison you exclaimed pere alexis no not me replied rouletabille in bored fashion don't think about that simply do what i tell you then analyze these two napkins as well and he drew from his coat two soiled napkins well said Couperin, you have thought of everything they are the napkins the general and his wife used yes yes i understand that said the chief of police and you alexis do you understand asked the reporter when can we have the result of your analysis in an hour at the latest very well said Couperin. now i need not tell you to hold your tongue i am going to leave one of my men here you will write us a note that you will seal and he will bring it to headquarters sure you understand in an hour in an hour excellency they went out and alexis followed them bowing to the floor Couperin had rouletabille get into his carriage the young man did as he was told one would have said he did not know where he was or what he did he made no reply to the chief's questions this parry alexander resumed Couperin, is a character really quite a figure and a bit of a schemer i should say he has seen how father john of kronstadt succeeded and he says to himself since the sailors had their father john of kronstadt why shouldn't the police guard have their father alexis of optiakarsky Perelouk? but rouletabille did not reply at all and Couperin wound up by demanding what was the matter with him the matter is replied rouletabille unable longer to conceal his anguish that the poison continues does that astonish you returned Couperin. it doesn't me rouletabille looked at him and shook his head his lips trembled as he said i know what you think it is abominable but the thing i have done certainly is more abominable still what have you done then monsieur rouletabille perhaps i have caused the death of an innocent man so long as you aren't sure of it you had better not fret about it my dear friend it is enough that the doubt has risen said the reporter almost to kill me and he heaved so gloomy a sigh that the excellent monsieur Couperin felt pity for the lad he tapped him on the knee come come young man you ought to know one thing by this time you can't make omelettes without breaking eggs as they say i think in paris rouletabille turned away from him with horror in his heart if there should be another someone besides michael if it was another hand than his that appeared to matrena and him in the mysterious night if michael nikolaevitch had been innocent well he would kill himself that was all and those horrible words that he had exchanged with natasha rose in his memory singing in his ears as though they would deafen him do you doubt still he had asked her that michael tried to poison your father and natasha had replied i wish to believe it i wish to believe it for your sake my poor boy and then he recalled her other words still more frightful now couldn't someone have tried to poison my father and not come by the window he had faced such a hypothesis with assurance then but now now that the poison continued continued within the house where he believed himself so fully aware of all people and things continued now that michael Nikolaevitch was dead ah where did it come from this poison and what was it pere alexis would hurry his analysis if he had any regard for poor rouletabille for rouletabille to doubt and in an affair where already there was one man dead through his agency was torment worse than death when they arrived at police headquarters rouletabille jumped from Couperin's carriage and without saying a word hailed an empty itchvotchik that was passing he had himself driven back to pere alexis his doubt mastered his will he could not bear to wait away under the arch of aptierskarsky Paraluk, 
he saw once more the man Cuprian had placed there with the order to bring him Alexis's message. The man looked at him in astonishment. Rouletabille crossed the court and entered the dingy old room once more. Perry Alexis was not there, naturally, engaged as he was in his laboratory. But a person whom he did not recognize at first sight attracted the reporter's attention. In the half-light of the shop a melancholy shadow leaned over the icons on the counter. It was only when he straightened up with a deep sigh, and a little light, deflected and yellow from passing through window-panes that had known no touch of cleaning since they were placed there, fell faintly on the face that Rouletabille ascertained he was face to face with Boris Murazov. It was indeed he, the erstwhile brilliant officer whose elegance and charm the reporter had admired as he saw him at beautiful Natasha's feet in the dacha at Eliaguin. Now, no more in uniform, he had thrown over his bowed shoulders a wretched coat whose sleeves swayed listlessly at his sides in accord with his mood of languid desperation. A felt hat with the rim turned down hid a little the misery in his face. In these few days, these not many hours, how he was changed. But even as he was, he still concerned Rouletabille. What was he doing there? Was he not going to go away, perhaps? He had picked up an icon from the counter, and carried it over to the window to examine its oxidized silver, giving such close attention to it that the reporter hoped he might reach the door of the laboratory without being noticed. He already had his hand on the knob of that door which was behind the counter when he heard his name called. "'That is you, Monsieur Rouletabille,' said the low, sad voice of Boris. "'What has brought you here, then?' "'Well, well, Monsieur Boris Morozov, unless I'm mistaken. I certainly didn't expect to find you here in Paris Alexis' place.' "'Why not, Monsieur Rouletabille? One can find anything here in Paris Alexis' stock. See, here are two old icons in wood, carved with sculptures, which came direct from Athos, and can't be equaled, I assure you.' either at Gustini Dvor, nor even at Stukin Dvor. "'Yes, yes, that is possible,' said Rouletabille impatiently. "'Are you an amateur of such things?' he added, in order to say something. "'Oh, like anybody else, but I was going to tell you, Monsieur Rouletabille, I have resigned my commission. I have resolved to retire from the world. I am going on a long voyage.' Rouletabille thought, "'Why not have gone at once?' and before going I have come here to supply myself with some little gifts to send those of my friends I particularly care for, although now, my dear Monsieur Rouletabille, I don't care much for anything. You look desolate enough, Monsieur. Boris sighed like a child. How could it be otherwise? he said. I loved and I believed myself beloved, but it proved to be nothing, alas. Sometimes one only imagines things, said Rouletabille, keeping his hand on the door. "'Oh, yes,' said the other, growing more and more melancholy. "'So a man suffers. He is his own tormentor. He himself makes the wheel on which, like his own executioner, he binds himself.' "'It is not necessary, monsieur. It is not necessary,' counseled the reporter. "'Listen,' implored Boris, in a voice that showed tears were not far away. "'You are still a child, but you can see things. Do you believe Natasha loves me?' "'I am sure of it, monsieur Boris. I am sure of it.' i am sure of it too but i don't know what to think now she has let me go without trying to detain me without a word of hope and where are you going like that i am returning to the orel country where i first saw her that is good very good monsieur boris at least there you are sure to see her again she goes there every year with her parents for a few weeks it is a detail you haven't overlooked doubtless certainly i haven't i will tell you that that prospect decided my place of retreat see 
god gives me nothing but he opens his treasures and each takes what he can yes yes and mademoiselle natasha does she know it is to orel you have decided to retire i have no reason for concealing it from her monsieur rouletabille so far so good you needn't feel so desolate my dear monsieur boris all is not lost i will say even that i see a future for you full of hope ah if you are able to say that truthfully i am happy indeed to have met you i will never forget this rope you have flung me when all the waters seem closing over my head what do you advise then i advise you to go to a realm monsieur and as quickly as possible very well you must have reasons for saying that i obey you monsieur and go as boris started toward the entrance arch rouletabille slipped into the laboratory old alexis was bent over his retorts a wretched lamp barely lighted his obscure work he turned at the noise the reporter made ah you lad well oh nothing so quick still i have already analyzed the two napkins you know yes the stains tell me for the love of god well my boy it is arsenate of soda again rouletabille stricken to the heart uttered a low cry and everything seemed to dance around him Perry Alexis, in the midst of all the strange laboratory instruments, seemed Satan himself, and he repulsed the kindly arms stretched forth to sustain him. In the gloom, where danced here and there the little blue flames from the crucibles, lively as flickering tongues, he believed he saw Michael Nikolaevich's ghost come to cry, "'The arsenate of soda continues, and I am dead.' He fell against the door, which swung open, and he rolled as far as the counter and struck his face against it. The shock that might well have been fatal brought him out of his intense nightmare and made him instantly himself again. He rose, jumped over the heap of boots and folderols, and leaped to the court. There Boris grabbed him by his coat. Rouletabille turned, furious. "'What do you want? You haven't started for the Orel yet?' "'Monsieur, I am going, but I will be very grateful if you will take these things yourself to—to to Natasha.' He showed him, still with despairing mane, the two icons from Mount Athos— and rouletabille took them from him thrust them in his pocket and hurried on crying i understand outside rouletabille tried to get hold of himself to recover his coolness a little was it possible that he had made a mortal error alas alas how could he doubt it now the arsenate of soda continued he made a superhuman effort to ward off the horror of that even momentarily the death of innocent michael nikolaevitch and to think of nothing except the immediate consequences which must be carefully considered if he wished to avoid some new catastrophe ah oh, the assassin was not discouraged and that time what a piece of work he had tried what a hecatomb if he had succeeded the general matrena petrovna natasha and rouletabille himself who almost regretted so far as he was concerned that it had not succeeded and kuprian kuprian who should have been there for the luncheon what a bag for the nihilists that was it that was it rouletabille understood now why they had not hesitated to poison everybody at once kuprian was among them michael nikolaevitch would have been avenged the attempt had failed this time but what might they not expect now from the moment he believed michael nikolaevitch no longer guilty as he had imagined rouletabille fell into a bottomless abyss where should he go after a few moments he made the circuit of the rotunda which serves as the market for this quarter and is the finest ornament of optikarsky paraluk he made the circuit without knowing it without stopping for anything without seeing or understanding anything 
as a broken-winded horse makes its way in the treadmill so he walked around with the thought that he also was lost in a treadmill that led him nowhere rouletabille was no longer rouletabille end of chapter twelve read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com